All right. Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with The Pop Health Show. And this show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. Today, I'm really enthused, really excited to have Shubra Jane on the show. Shubra is a physician by background and leads healthcare investments for an investment fund called Coda Capital. Shubra, welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Anthony, for having me. No, absolutely. Well, so a couple things. Thank you for being on. Thank you for carving and pe peeling out time. I know it's a busy week. You're working on a lot. Uh, you're doing a lot of, you're invoking a lot of change in the healthcare and health tech with, with a lot of the companies that you're involved with. But I guess to start, teleport us back, transport us back and tell us a little bit about your origin story and what has led you to become the person you are today. Sure. Um, yeah, so I was born and brought up in a small town in northern India um, to uh, my parents who were both physicians. Um, so I literally grew on top of a hospital. We, Our home was on top of the hospital that both my parents built. Mm. Um, and kind of kind of naturally uh, was always immersed in, in the world of healthcare. Um, from dinner table conversations to birthday parties, um, all, it was almost uh, some family member talking to my parents about the thing that they're going through or them talking to their friends about this really cool, new, interesting case that they saw last week or something like that. Um, so, so kind of grew up in that atmosphere and environment and was naturally inclined um, to healthcare, both from uh, it being a challenging, scientifically and academically challenging field and from the perspective of community service and uh, just helping people live healthier, better lives. Um, mm -hmm. So I went to med school in India and trained as a primary care physician uh, and practiced as a primary care physician for a little bit. Um, but I realized during my time at med school and my practice as a general practitioner that there were a lot of limitations that my patients were going through and suffering from and I could only do so much um, with my two hands. Uh, my ability to create impact, my reach was limited to seeing one patient at a time and I naturally thought if there was a way to make this more scalable and there was a way for me to help out more people and was inclined towards using technology to enable me to do that. Um, so that, that was sort of the urge and the desire that led to me coming to the U.S. in 2010 to do a master's program at Stanford uh, in medical technology. And I spent um, my time at Stanford learning about integrating technology into healthcare uh, and how I can leverage that to scale the impact um, I can have in my lifetime. Um, subsequently joined a startup uh, that was building predictive analytic solutions for clinical outcomes uh, and um, joined them in a product role um, and uh, helped them develop some software and service solutions selling to hospitals and health systems, essentially trying to predict what is going to happen, what is going to, happen to a patient. Um, so as a physician, that was extremely compelling to me um, and uh, had a great time doing that. Decided to go to business school because as, as I was building these technological solutions, I realized you can have the best product at hand, but if you can't, you can build the best product, but if you can't get it into the hands of the people, um, then 
it, it can sit on the shelves and be published in research papers, but it really doesn't change anyone's life um, and doesn't save lives. So I was drawn to using uh, business and developing scalable, sustainable, profitable businesses as a vehicle to bring these solutions to market. Um, and did my MBA at Wharton with a focus on healthcare. Um, subsequently decided to join Coda Capital. Um, Coda Capital is an investment fund in San Francisco and I lead healthcare investments for us. Um, and consider myself very fortunate in my current position to be able to work with passionate, smart founders who are building uh, game-changing products for changing the delivery of healthcare. I love it. I love it. Um, really appreciate your your background and, and, and the breadth of experience that you, you bring in. The, the physician experience is powerful growing up in that family environment, right? That's, that's in your, your DNA. And, um, you know, super exciting to see. Well, first of all, I'm a big fan of the companies that you, you're involved with and the topics that they're they're involved with or the, the the markets that they're penetrating right and i'd love to understand a little bit on your passions like in terms of things that you choose to invest in that um what has your fixation what has your passion these days what do you what do you like to to look at these days in terms of different types of health technologies and and, and markets in healthcare yeah, um, so I am attracted to technological innovation, but I am also very grounded in reality, having come from the healthcare world, where um, there there is a lot of um, there there are a lot of technology products that are available, but they're not accessible or affordable to the general population for the general population. And um, one of the key things that I look for is. Um, technology that not only stretches the boundaries and is on the cutting edge of innovation and stretches the boundaries of what medicine can do today, uh, but also expands the access and uh, affordability to a wider population set and really makes it possible for people to access better care um, and to live healthier lives. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very interested um, in cutting edge innovation on um, some of the emerging areas of healthcare that are subscribing to the philosophy that not all people are the same. Every one of us humans has a different physiology, a different anatomy, um, and, and a different way that we process and benefit from healthcare solutions. And uh, this is this is sort of the fundamental tenet of what we have seen develop as precision medicine. Um, so I am very passionate about technologies that help us understand and cater our healthcare solutions to those differences, whether they are um, anatomical or physiological differences or demographic differences or um, accessibility differences. Um, but essentially enable us to provide care for for someone, anyone really, at the right time, uh, which is right for them specifically. Mm -hmm. um, and there, there are several several sort of fields that are emerging to enable that. Um, genomic sequencing is one of them. Um, it's one way to get more insight into what makes a person. Mm -hmm. And hence what they could respond to, whether that is drugs or treatments or, 
or even lifestyle interventions um, can be hugely different from one genomic composition to another. And to be able to tailor those treatments and reduce waste and increase the impact and the efficacy uh, is immensely powerful. Um, the other area where we're seeing a lot of this happen is 3D printing, so being able to print um, prostheses and organs that are specific and custom fitted uh, to someone's body versus trying to fit a generic solution uh, into a bigger market, um, I, I think is immensely powerful and can, again, reduce a lot of waste, can improve the adoption and the impact that these solutions and these products are able to have on someone's life. Um, so that, that is another area of interest for sure. Um, and, and, and then the other area that I'm very interested in is um, just as a platform, synthetic biology. So today we have the tools and the capabilities to be able to alter, not only learn, but also alter the genetic code of organisms. Mm -hmm. um, we have CRISPR-Cas9 and other techniques that have been developed to alter the genetic code and hence the downstream expression, the protein expression of this genetic code um, to just make a living organism behave differently, secrete different proteins, secrete different enzymes, um, and hence use that capability to create entirely different materials, to create things like sweeter wine or uh, foldable electronic screens or um, chemicals which are devoid of certain adverse effects. Um, and I think that is an extremely compelling value proposition that even goes beyond healthcare. It goes, it, it goes to the industrial manufacturing, chemicals, healthcare, um, really traverses many industries uh, and is enabled by really biology and the tools that we have been able to develop. So those are just some examples of areas that have been very intriguing to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, Shubra, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It's a, it's a very interesting, exciting, and fascinating time uh, in healthcare right now. The concepts of reality, biology, data, predictions, you know, all these science fiction concepts we've, we've been watching on movies and TV for a while are, are, are coming to a head, and it's exciting that you don't get to just see them. You get to invest and get involved with these companies and also with the founders, and I, I guess along that note, uh, you have a lot of founders coming to you, you invest in these companies. Can you speak a little bit about, you know, a great healthcare VC? What are, what's the difference that makes a difference with, you know, building relationships with these companies, the founders? How do you help, your, you know, portfolio companies? There's so many different dynamics in these new innovations, getting them to market, building teams, building culture, getting pricing right, having the stamina and patience and almost probably being like a mini psychologist to some of these founders. Can you speak a little bit to those dynamics, relationships, and how you help these companies grow and mature? Yeah, um, that's a very good question. And um, really, every company is different. Um, when I was growing up, my parents always used to say that you never stop learning as a doctor because every patient teaches you something. Mm -hmm. And I think that is very, that is very, very true as an investor. Every company that you invest in um, really teaches you a lot. Um, and that is one of the most fun aspects of this job because I'm constantly learning. And every investment, every deal is in a different market. It's no two companies are the same. And 
um, it is a unique opportunity to learn about a different business, a different market from a different team um, and their way of doing things. Um, that said, um, there there is no straight or linear path to building a good business. And um, all of these companies go through different phases and stages of ups and downs. Um, we at Coda Capital is, uh, are stage agnostic. So we invest in companies across different stages. I do everything from Series A all the way to pre-IPO. Mm. Um, and those businesses look very different in early stages. So in, in a very, very early company at like seed stages, you're probably indexing heavily on the team and you're just like trying to get the team right and then the product right. So it's heavily indexed on team and product development. Um, more at the Series A stage, it's um, leaning towards finding that product market fit. Mm -hmm. um, do you have a product that somebody is willing to pay something for and does it solve a pain point for somebody? And is that market big enough for you to build a viable business out of it? Those are the questions that I'm essentially working with the founder to answer, right? Like, so how do mm -hmm. you quickly, um, often those discussions end up being around how do how do I quickly take this to market? How do I get early feedback from customers? How do I change direction and change my product roadmap based on these five things that I heard from my customers in the last month? Um, that's sort of the nature of discussions at that series A stage. And um, after that, it's a lot more about scaling and selling and um, really putting uh, putting uh, gas on the fire and just being able to grab market share um, and um, a lot of a lot of it as I think you made a very valid point um, towards the end of your question which is so much of it is um, psychological mm -hmm. support and mm -hmm. I would even say counseling Mm -hmm. um, because as a business is scaling from a seed to a series A to growth stages um, the founder, CEO, or the management team is also growing, evolving, and scaling with that business. And some people are better at doing it um, versus others. And some people recognize their limitations and um, augment themselves um, by hiring people and surrounding themselves with other folks who can cover their blind spots and um, be strong in the areas where they are not so much uh, the, which are not their strengths. Um, so a lot of it is just um, really getting getting down in the weeds with the founder or the team that we're investing in and understanding what are their areas of strength, where do they need help, how can we provide that help with either my networks or um, just helping them hire people around them that can cover those blind spots. Um, and a lot of it is just helping them understand and brainstorming with them, just serving as a sounding board for what are the most critical issues for the business at this stage? What are the top two or three things that we really need to get right over the next quarter or over the next year um, for this business to sort of move to the next phase? Mm -hmm. um, so um, a lot of it, I, I would say, as an investor, we have the advantage of having a different vantage point because when you're a founder or a CEO, you're very um, 
in the weeds and you're you don't have time to zoom back out and look at the big picture often mm-hmm. um and you are very execution focused uh constantly hitting one deadline after the other uh, and constantly fixing things um and trying to hit some milestones uh as an investor we have the advantage of having a vantage point where we may have seen the situation before or um have been able to go through those cycles in some of the other companies that we have been involved with mm-hmm. and um i think some of the value that i bring to the table and uh my founders have been able to benefit from is just having that perspective right and saying look guys here's how i've seen somebody else solve this or this is a temporary phase this is how long i think it'll going to take you to get through this and these are the re- some of the resources that you can tap into um to help you get through this or no this is absolutely critical and it will make or break the business you need to stop everything else and double down and fix this before anything else um you know so i think uh it sometimes it can be difficult to have that perspective as a founder especially for the first time founders and um i uh am often able to serve as a sounding board and just participate in a more of a discussion really um with them which they consider valuable it's yeah it's super valuable right it's almost like i yeah i think a lot of the stuff like once you get the um the product down the distribution path becomes clear right it's it's about elevating one's thinking not just the founder psychology right but the team psychology around them making sure that you're identifying trends and helping them see it, uh, around blind spots and there's nothing better than having a good historic view of patterns right and and then being able to apply those and 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 help that founder and team elevate to the next level in a changing market right these innovations are in markets where sometimes the regulations and the ways of selling and the dynamics are changing and so um it does not hurt to have like a partner like you and and your firm to to help these firms uh these companies these early stage companies navigate to the next level i guess um what i'm really curious about as well is you know so from genomics data science to predictions to uh 3D printing all these you know sci-fi concepts that are emerging from the companies you're you're involved with and and investing in where is this all going i i i'd love to hear the optimistic beautiful future according to Shubra <laughs> that you see ourselves marching towards i just love to hear a little bit of how you you see healthcare uh coming to its new fruition Um I think in a in a lot of ways um healthcare has lagged behind a lot of other industries in mm-hmm. terms of adoption of technology mm-hmm. um affordability access equalization of opportunity all of those things mm-hmm. and we are just we are just starting to leverage technology um to catch up um but a, a mm-hmm. I think that is something that is often overlooked um by people starting companies or investing or businesses in healthcare in general is a lot of the problems in healthcare are stemming from really just not having the right incentive structures it's not mm-hmm. so much uh lack of technology as it is just creating the right incentive structures for insurance companies that is payers 
providers of care, whether that is physicians or hospital systems and patients, um, to be aligned on what is it that is best for all of them. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times we see um, their interests being at uh, conflicting interests between each of those stakeholders. And uh, in my opinion, that has been more of a reason for the state of healthcare that is today. Um, and uh, in order for that to materially change, um, we need to create the right incentive structures. Um, so in terms of the optimistic view of what I would like healthcare to look like, I would um, say uh, on a few, few different dimensions, right? So one is technology, just continuing to push the frontiers of what is possible today. Um, I mean, if you look at back in 1920s, people were dying of infectious diseases and then we came up with vaccines and we came up with antibiotics and um, that really changed the paradigm on life expectancies and the general health of people. And we haven't seen uh, that level of disruption and innovation ever since. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm very optimistic with um, cell therapy, gene therapy, synthetic biology, um, technologies like this really pushing the frontiers on oncology, on neurological disease. Um, and uh, I think infectious disease, one more time, given the rise of antibiotic resistance in populations. Mm. Um, so one, one big frontier is just technology constantly pushing the boundaries on what is possible in terms of life expectancy, in terms of quality of life, um, all of those things. Um, I think the other big dimension is just affordability and access. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of therapies that are available, but if a cell therapy is $400,000, how many people in this world are going to really be able to afford that and access that? And how do we um, reduce costs or increase access to the point that it is affordable and accessible by the general population. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of initiatives in telemedicine for people in rural areas to be able to access care, um, use of technology, whether that is chatbots or AI, um, to really automate some of the low-hanging fruit, the more administrative tasks in healthcare to free up physicians' time and ability to see patients, um, I think there, there's a lot to be done on that front uh, to improve affordability and access. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would say the third, the third big dimension really is um, just convenience and ease of use, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, right now, healthcare is a really bad experience if you think about it. Right. You can order pretty much anything on Amazon today and get it delivered to you the next day. Um, but if you need... Um, a birth control pill as a woman, or um, if you need the simplest of solution, healthcare solutions, um, you need to make an appointment that the average waiting time for an appointment at, at a primary care doc is 45 days. Right. Um, so uh, you, you need to start calling people from your insurance directory, get their voicemails, leave a voicemail. Some of them call you back, some of them don't. You get an appointment that is four weeks, five weeks, in advance um and um then you show up you see them they fax 
a prescription to some pharmacy, you have to go pick up at the pharmacy. A lot of times there are mistakes. They ask you to come back. Um, you get a bill in mail uh, 60 days later. Um, God forbid you move in those 60 days. Now you are um, you have bad debt on the bill. Like the, the entire experience is just harrowing. Mm -hmm. um, and we as a generation are not used to this kind of experience in really any other dimension of life. Um, so I think that if there, there's a lot of low hanging fruit to be picked, uh, just on making it a better customer experience, a better user experience and, um, improving, um, just, just the ease of use and convenience side of it. I love it. I love it. I appreciate it. Yeah. So super, super, you know, definitely some really important dimensions. On that note, do you see anything outside of founder innovations, investing in these startups, the, the way they're distributed? Do you see like, you know, societal shift factors, uh, legislation, government, um, aligning incentives, or any like big macro things that need to happen over the next 5, 10, 20 years to unlock these elements, the ones that, that the founders themselves, the companies, the innovations can't really control right now. Yeah. And I think, um, I think there's a lot of it. Um, uh, and again, uh, without creating the right incentive structures, there's only so much that can be done with building products. Right. Um, so I right. am a firm believer that, that all of those pieces need to align and, um, policy organizations like FDA and CMS, both on the regulatory side and on the reimbursement side need to align on the regulatory side to encourage innovation and on the reimbursement side to improve access and affordability. Mm -hmm. um, and we have, we have really seen some good work uh, on that front. Scott Gottlieb was a huge champion who really made um, a lot of changes in the FDA on the positive side to encourage innovation and bring new innovation to market. Uh, and reduce the barriers to do that. Uh, and mm -hmm. we're seeing FEMA Verma at CMS do some some of the really good work on improving access mm -hmm. um, for uh, Medicare and Medicaid patients. So I, I think we are definitely seeing um, changes on that front, but we need more. I, I think that is definitely an important pillar of healthcare and guides a lot of the innovation that happens downstream. Um, the other big place where we need to see it, of course, is government policies. Um, and there are some issues like mental health or addiction support that are very bipartisan and have seen support from both sides. And um, that that is very encouraging. But there is still a lot of debate on several other healthcare issues. Um, and it doesn't, uh, I think, the the policy changes need to be uh, more aligned with the healthcare expense, the healthcare quality and uh, delivery of care objectives that we should have as a country. Mm -hmm. um, and so there, there's a lot of room there, um, room for improvement there for sure. And um, the third piece I would say is just incumbents, incumbent organizations, right? Mm -hmm. um, so for example, our pharma industry spends $160 billion on R&D and 92% of that is waste. Um, and it, it is currently taking us $2.7 billion to come up with a new drug uh, in 12 years. Um, and it is 
an industry that has lagged behind in using technological advances, computational advances, um, to really reduce that waste and uh, make make it possible for drugs to get to market better, cheaper, faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's there's really a lot of room there in order to be able to have a more uh, consumer friendly drug pricing and access. Um, so I, I I think on all of those fronts, um, the the innovation and changes are instrumental and required and necessary uh, for enhancing the impact that the startups can even have. Right. Um, right. But yet the startups yeah. have to be sensitive to the, the how these things come to fruition and be able to know and discern how to respond, whether it's go to market or slight adjustments. It feels like that 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 in itself is almost like a a uh, a discipline requires patience and really good discernment on what to adjust as these factors change, right? Absolutely, um, and I think this is this is. A very, very good point, especially very relevant in the current scenario of quite a few healthcare startups getting dinged for their disregard for regulation and their disregard for the need for clinical validation. Um, I, I, we have all, we are all very familiar with the Theranos tragedy, but also even after that, you biome billing practices or mm-hmm. um, NERC's pharmacy practices and their, uh, all of these things coming to light uh, with the practices that healthcare startups have t- undertaken that are not exactly aligned with the regulatory policies or the uh, best interest of the patient. Uh, we all need to be very careful with that. Right. I, I am all for I'm all for fast innovation and I'm all for bringing new solutions to market and being disruptive. Um, as long as we keep our eye on the eye on the ball and um, don't lose sight of the fact that uh, eventually we're working towards the best interest of the patient mm-hmm. and um, healthcare is an industry that is regulated and slower for for a good reason, right? Like, right. Uh, I think there is some there needs to be some sensitivity around that, especially in the tech world um, that we are all learning learning the hard way absolutely yeah no i, I absolutely agree there were, we we had someone else in our show recently we were talking about this this balance and contrast between mindful execution um consideration for regulations rules um transparency hipaa but yet don't let those things inject fear into the innovations and being able to grow but yet you have to be mindful of, of these things and you got to follow the rules um, got to be mindful though, but, um, but sometimes also fear can stifle things as well. So, you know, it's just, it's a, it's an interesting balance and I can imagine you and, and, uh, your firm are really helping to guide these founders with the right, with the right mindset, right. To, 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 to navigate. Um, and it's great that you're, you're unlocking these, um, founders with history patterns. And, um, so it's super, super exciting. Um, let me ask, I actually have one more question for you. <laughs> Before I ask it though, um, what is a great way for our listeners to engage with you on social media or directly if you would like any of that to happen? <laughs> yeah, no, I think um, the, 
the quickest way is probably Twitter. I'm fairly active on Twitter and it's just at Shubrajan MD. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, if, if they're, um, starting companies, the best way is to email me. It's just Shubra at codacapital.com. Uh, that is S H U B H R A at codacapital.com. Um, and, uh, if you are starting a business, uh, in healthcare, um, please reach out via email and I'll do, do what I can to help, um, uh, if, if not invest. Um, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. We'll link, we'll link to that in the show notes. So thank you for sharing. And, uh, my last question. So my last question is related to, so you do a lot, you're, you're working on a lot, really super busy, I guess occupied. I don't like to use the word busy these days. I I never want to always say that I'm busy. I, I like to say I'm, I'm occupied working on my goals, but, um, from a personal well-being health perspective, like daily routines, weekly routines, whether it's mind, body, spirit related, what's one or two things that you do that, that really bring you joy, that, that, that keep the engine running? Just love to hear, is it, you know, maybe it's running, maybe it's yoga, maybe it's a, a, a particular salad. What do you do to, to stay healthy, you know, mindful and, you know, just up on, on the up and up? Yeah, so this is definitely aspirational. I wish I lived as healthy a lifestyle as I would like to. Um, and for good or for bad, um, there is no regular routine day in my job. And hence, it has been challenging to really have like a daily routine because some days uh, there's a lot of travel involved. There's Every day is different. Uh, one thing that does keep me somewhat centered is I meditate. I try to meditate as often as I can. Um, there isn't really a schedule to it because mm-hmm. I'm just not able to maintain one. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever, whenever I have an opportunity, just I, whether that is on an airplane or after a long day in my hotel room or um, early in the morning before I get started with the day, uh, whenever I have a I love it. I love it. Shubra, yeah, no, this is, this is great. Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you on the meditation. Someone was joking around the other day and was saying that, uh, you know, for people to be able to fit in meditation uh, more into their day, it needs to be made into a pill. <laughs> I thought it was just very funny. But um, yeah, I'm right there with you. I try and meditate as often as I, I possibly can. But uh, so important to hit the, the, the reset button and just calm, calmly, uh, uh, you know, go into the next meeting. Someone's been telling me a lot. I've been trying to do the six when I'm in back to backs. I've been trying to do the the six second deep breath and some box breathing before the next meeting, and that that's been helping out a lot to at least recenter. Um, but uh, well, I wanted to say, Shubra, thank you so much for peeling out time, for carving out time in your busy day uh, to to do this show. Love to have you back as you see and and do and invest in more things and. Um, this has been great. This has been great. It was really great to hear your origin story. It was great to hear what you're passionate about. It was great to hear about your vision of healthcare in the future and all the different dynamics and dimensions that need to be considered for founders. And uh, to our listeners out there, again, if you're if you're a founder, if you're you know have some innovations, you know, Shubra and uh, her firm are really great to connect with out there. Um, you know, so definitely I want to I want to promote that, but. 
Um, also to our listeners out there, this is the Pop Health Show. The show is for people with a passion for making other people healthier in this world. Schubert, thanks again for being on the show. This was great. Thank you for having me, Anthony. It's a pleasure. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you.